This is a young generation. Don't judge us. Help us. Welcome back to the Scale Up Project podcast. This is a series aimed at discussing contextual safeguarding and how to help keep young people safe from harm that can occur outside of home. We're now three episodes in as part of a four-part series, and so far we have covered contextual safeguarding approaches for young people at school, and also examined their relationships and thoughts on social workers, as well as their opinion on how well professionals do at listening to their views and keeping them safe when they're away from home. This podcast contains several amazing young people that the London and National Research Projects have worked and talked to from across England and Wales in places such as Ealing, Kent, Merton, Swansea, and so much more. Now in this episode, episode number three, we're gonna be talking to them about contextual safeguarding and the impact their friends and peers can have on their safety. Episode number one on schools already shone a light on the prominent and important roles that their friends play in their lives and how in many cases they trust and relate to their friends a lot more than they do professionals. So with this in mind, we wanted to explore this particular theme even further and this episode focuses in on the dynamics of these friendships in more detail. Beginning with the question, do you feel like your friends and peers can help keep you safe from harm outside of home? My friends and family can keep me safe when I'm outside of the home because they're always there for me. I think friendship groups are very important because if you don't have like a friendship group, then like you'll struggle and you need somebody else to talk to. I feel like your friends and peers can keep you safe outside of the house because let's say I'm with a friend who has an older brother but automatically I have that kind of protection because they're older than me and they're a boy if an incident was to happen and, you know, it started to get physical, I know they'd be able to jump in and defend. Even like if you're friends with people who have gang affiliations, that can help, that can pay off in the long run. Because if something was ever to happen to you, they'd be able to come and defend you. Sometimes it does come at a price, but if you're just casual friends with them, then it can help you in the long run. But generally, I don't think your friends and your peers can keep you safe because they're just as na- young and naive as you. I think friends can keep you safe, especially if they're like good friends. Because like a lot of the time when friends see you doing something, they're kinda warn you and be like, Look, I don't think this is the best thing to do. Most friends would give you good advice. Obviously you're going through the same stuff like you you've probably grown up like most of your friends you've grown up like from primary school through secondary school and they know what you've been through and stuff so they have more of an influence. I feel like obviously your friends can make you feel more comfortable um, regarding the situation and they can defend you and be there for you. By the end of the day, they are just kids as well. So I feel like if your friends were really such good friends, they would go and involve an adult and they would go speak to them regarding the situation, asking for help and telling them what is going on with you. Because obviously they know more about you and you have probably told them more information so then they can go seek an adult and then the adult can now come help you if you're not feeling comfortable or if you're feeling unsafe. And obviously if you're not feeling comfortable in the situation or you don't like speaking to an adult, your friend can be there to comfort you and your friend can be there to help you. It's very much like if you have a friend that's either been through the same thing or you know, someone that's been through it, they're easier to give advice because like... For smoking, for example, if you have a friend that used to smoke, that doesn't anymore because they got out of it, and they see you smoking, they'd be like, look, I've been there. It's cool for a while, but in the long run, it's not. I think you should stop. I feel like my friends can help keep me safe because 
I know they got me. Yeah, I know they got me. If anything does happen, pray it doesn't. Same way I've got them, but I don't know. That's just how we've grown up with each other. You know, you've got my back, I've got your back, kind of thing. Oh, he can't say basically. Uh, this is what I realised. Same way, no matter what, if my friend's fighting someone and they say, I'm not watching my friend fight. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if the, I don't care if there's a hundred people watching and ready to wrap me and my friend. I'm not watching my friend fight. It's not like that. If I step out with someone, I need to know, even if we've got, even if the army pull up on us from Poland and start shooting at us and not leaving me. As you can hear, for the young people that we spoke to, their friends are very important to them. And in most cases, they are their support system and first point of call if a situation of harm occurs outside of home. And they feel that they do in fact help to keep them safe. However, they were aware that some friends could be a bad influence. I think that with friends, friends may not always have the best intentions when it comes to you and your safety and how you feel. So if a situation was to happen, they might not be there to help you. They may leave you for you to get in trouble or they may even blame you. And I feel like also friends, if you do cut them off because you feel like they're not a good influence, then maybe they'll go around spreading rumours about you saying you're not a good person what? or they're rude and you shouldn't be friends with them. And that can also make you feel really isolated and alone. So I feel like it's good to have good friends, but you can never be too sure about who is your actual good friend and who is just there with not their best interest in heart. I do think that there's some friends that everybody has that they know are a negative influence on them. And if you're easily swayable or easily persuadable and you have friends that are a negative influence on you whether you want to or not you will be misled by them and obviously i don't think anyone's to blame in a matter like that unless like there's like manipulation or like blackmail at play but in a situation like that if you have friends like that then the best but you don't even know what to do because i feel like as a teenager having friends is like the one thing that's vital to you and if you just randomly cut off your whole social circle that people just look at you like you're crazy because like they wouldn't understand the internal reasons of doing that. If you try and look at look at it from a, like a a moral neutral point of view, people wouldn't understand why you've just like gone ghost on all your friends just because like you you feel or you know that they're a bad influence. I think having trusted friends is like a double-edged sword because they can be there to protect you, you can confide in them, but at the same time, they can bring you into really dangerous situations in which you believe you are supposed to be involved in because you have a sense of responsibility to take care of them. And ultimately, I feel like safety is all dependent on the person that you're friends with. So peer pressure and the possible isolation that could occur from separating from a bad friendship group came up as concerns there. And they were aware that not all of their friends had their safety as a priority. The balance of opinion shows that the young people we spoke to are very aware of the different dynamics involved in their friendships and how safe they felt amongst these peers was dependent on who they were with. So we wondered if they felt that professionals understood their relationship dynamics as much as they do and asked, do you think that professionals knowing more about your friendship groups could help to keep you safer? That again, that question, I feel like if adults do understand a little bit more about um, people's peer groups and their social dynamics, I feel like that is, again, a hit and miss because in some situations it's perfect, but in other situations there might be a lot of vulnerable stuff, go vulnerable and even, like, borderline illegal stuff going on. I do not think that it is a good idea to map young people's friendship groups because schools do not understand the dynamics of our friendships and they can take issues out of context as well as 
use those issues against the young person in the future. Again, as I said, it can work in some situations, but in other situations, I think it's best not to not to learn the group or the friendship group's dynamics unless it's 100% completely necessary. Um, I don't think any adult understands uh, younger adults' that relationship with their friends because let's say I could be in school and let's say I'm chilling with someone that's in the year younger than me. We're just having a fun time, just speaking, like, just, yeah. But they just underestimate it and just think that we're making a bad influence on them and like, telling them what to do and it's the wrong stuff. And they just, they judge before they know what's actually happening. They always think, oh, he's chilling with older people. That means he's involved in stuff that happens with older people. And it just ruins friendships and ruins like a day at school because those teachers could start getting like, annoyed at us and that like, they could tell us, oh, we don't want you chilling with them, but they'll be like, oh, like, we could just say that's our friend and they would just, they won't care about it. They just want what they want. They don't actually listen to what we're saying. I think many people are under the perception that if we are more aware about the people that young people hang out with, then they are less likely to fall into the grasps of gang crime or danger. But I think ultimately, a young person can feel more, I guess you could say suffocated when they feel like adults and professionals are looming over them, looking at who they're friends with, who they're not friends with. Friends do have a better insight of the person more than the teacher. So when it comes to the sense of a teacher, then go asking them about their feelings or how they're acting, obviously their friends are going to know more. But at the same time, your friends are probably the same age as you, so they're not going to have as much experience as an adult would, and they're not going to know how to help you. So I feel like it is important for the adult to still give their opinion, but to speak to their friends just to have a better understanding of the situation. I feel like um, adults like sort of interfering with young people and their friends is just det- detrimental because once they feel as though their friends are being watched and people are just sort of checking who they hang out with. It's prob- They're probably gonna lie about who they're with or change their mind about their friends. And as well as that, people fail to realize that young people aren't always like who they hang out with. Like I know there's a saying, birds of a feather flock together, but young people aren't always gonna be the same as their friend. Like I have friends who I am literally the polar opposite of and we still get along well, so. Um, assuming that I'm the same as my friend is not going to work for anything. So I don't think that a worker or an adult or even a professional knowing the dynamics of someone's friendship would help them in the best way. Because a lot of kids have been, most of their friends they've known for so long or, you know, their friends have really helped them. But their friends could also be lying to them or something and then a worker would tell you that and the kid would not believe it they would kind of rebel against it and not really trust the person anymore and that's not really good because they'll close up not talk about their friends anymore so when something bad really does happen they won't tell anyone although some understood that adults learning more about their groups could prove useful to gaining more information the overwhelming majority did feel as if adults and professionals lacked the ability to truly understand their friendship dynamic and they were pessimistic about the idea of them trying to learn more about them. Fears of being watched or potentially targeted or separated from these vital groups were main concerns. And with their friends being so important to them, the idea of separating or questioning them could prove harmful and in fact cause the young people to become even more closed off from help. They also felt very strongly about their rights 
the right to make their own decisions and mistakes. It's very much judging a book by its colour. Like they see one bad thing, like I think they're a bad person, but in reality, everyone does like one or two bad things in their life. And nine times out of 10, they regret it. And teenagers, being a teenager is a time to make mistakes and learn who you are. Yeah, and learn from your mistakes. So it's like very much adults are like, don't do this and don't do that, but you're never gonna know why you're not supposed to do it unless you do it, make the mistake and then realize why it's a mistake. To yeah. stop you from doing it in the future. Because otherwise, the temptation is always going to be there. Like, if parents like don't smoke, you're like, but why can't I smoke? At school and stuff, we've been educated on the dangers of smoking. As long as like, you're educated, I think like, you should make your own decisions. Because it's your life at the end of the day. I think it's very much teenagers should be allowed to make their own decisions. Instead of like parents being like, you can do this or you can't do that. Because at the end of the day, it's their life. I feel like young people should have the ability to pick and choose who they're friends with, whether they believe that they are good people or bad people, because ultimately morals are just subjective, you know? We choose who, what, who we think is doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And I think although adults like to pick and choose who they think is a safe person to hang out with or not to hang out with, they ultimately need to allow the young person to have a decision to pick and choose who they want to be friends with. Wanting to have a say over approaches used to protect them has been a common message throughout every single one of our episodes so far. And as you heard, the young people we spoke with felt that they should be able to advocate and ultimately choose for themselves. We wanted to find out a little bit more though about their thoughts on some approaches that professionals may use to ensure their safety. And one tool that could be used in a contextual safeguarding approach is something called peer mapping. This involves professionals looking at a young person's friendship groups and network. So we asked them how they felt about this potentially being used and whether they thought it could help to keep them safe from harm outside of home. I think professionals creating a peer map of young people, I think that's a little bit too intimate. And I feel like it should be only used in situations that are 100% completely necessary when it starts crossing the boundary of illegal and um, legal. And when like it becomes a very serious issue because if I found out I was on a peer map I'd be very distraught because I'm sure there's a lot of intimate information about me that's come out at play and all that kind of stuff and if parents were found out that their kids were on the peer map and they were able to see I don't know parts of the peer map because obviously if somebody's writing about your child you're going to want to see what they're writing and again there's a lot of things that young people do and they only tell their friends, for example, and only their friends know about such issues. And if their parents find out, they might take it out of context. And if it's something that's just done innocently, but it's on the peer map, that can result in persecution at home for the issue for the young person. And it can also, again, form in resentment for the uh, young person towards authority figures because authority figures ruin their home life by this peer map. It's very invasive because people are looking into your life while you don't know. And like, just because of suspicion. Yeah. Until something changes where we can actually trust adults, until they start listening to young people, I don't think like that's a good idea because they're just going to, based on what they see, but like it won't solve the situation because they don't really know what they're on about. In addition to that also, Kids can lie if they found out that they were in a peer map together because they don't want their parents to find out. They don't want to get into trouble. So they may say that, oh, I'm not friends with them. And this can call to maybe arguments within the friend group 
or them just coming to lie together to say, oh, we don't know what's going on in the situation. So having a pin mic is, it can be helpful in some situations if you know for 100% it is the whole friend group involved. But because it is a friend group, they can just lie and maybe not tell the whole truth in the situation, which can then maybe lead to a whole different outcome. And if somebody was involved or maybe someone's getting harmed or hurt, then obviously they're not going to get the help they need because they don't know what's going on and the situation has gone somewhere else. You may not understand the dynamic within the French, the friendship group or what's happened between us. If we had an argument, an argument maybe in the past, and maybe that could have led to some sort of resentment. So now with a peer map, for example, like with some indecent picture shared around, you may think, okay, so that person is and that person is because we all talk to each other. But that person may could be the person who sent it because you never know who's your real friends or not. And so you're going to talk to them and say, oh, do you know what happened to so-and-so? Are they okay? They could lie and say, oh, I don't know, because obviously, you know, we're friends, but that doesn't mean it's true. Um, if somebody had created a map and not told me, I'd feel frustrated. I'd be frustrated because, like, I'd want to know. We're also brought up not to talk to strangers, but then, like, if someone of authority, like a policeman, like, comes over and asks questions, like, yeah, they're the police, but he's also brought up not to talk to people. And, like, especially with, like, the police and stuff, you're not going to tell them everything that you've done wrong. Most people are like, oh, no, I'm a good kid. Like, like good kid. Like, you're not going to tell a member of authority, like, like things that could possibly be illegal, because then you're going to get in trouble. Concerns over an invasion of privacy and a general worry about the use of this peer map and its accuracy were brought up there. Now, if we take our mind back to our previous episode on social workers, you may be picking up on some familiar themes. The young people seem to be bringing up the same fears and ideas about how their information would be shared amongst external organisations. In this context, they wonder how a professional that they deem as disconnected from their reality could truly know the dynamics of their friendship group from a peer map. Some of them even went even further when discussing their concerns, and brought up fears of potential racial profiling, mislabeling, and more. I also feel like in situations like this, when uh, instances happen and they involve a lot of children of colour, then they might all be stereotyped and profiled as maybe being in a gang or using gang violence or using criminal activity, when in reality they just don't understand the dynamics of people's home cultures and etc and again it can lead to a lot of it can lead to a lot of personal resentment for institutions and for authority figures in their later lives which is not a good thing at all because these are the people that need to help you and guide you um they might put you with the wrong type of people um it may cause like stress and anxiety well my group they look at it as like someone's like like noisy people, like noisy kids and stuff that don't listen. Um, but we're really just hang around in the group having fun. They might just like look at a group and think, oh, they're getting peer pressured and that, but like they don't know the full facts. They won't hear everything because like they'll see, they might see them most of the day or something. I don't know how it works, but but then there'll be other times where they don't see them and they, they just don't know what's going on. So. It's the thing, they very much look into like people's backgrounds and they're like, well, you hang out with these people, <clears throat> these are your grades. But they don't take into the account the full story. They only kind of look at what's on paper, but not everything goes on paper. So they judge groups based on what they're seen doing, but you don't watch them all the time. Like, yeah. so you don't see what they're really like. You just see like, because everyone has a facade of different types of people. So obviously you're going to be friends, you're going to like be different with your friends and you want your family and like yourself. 
And like, you can't really judge a person how they are with their friends when they're different on their own. So now we hear from a group who talked about a time they felt that they were placed on a peer map and how misjudged, targeted and labelled they felt. See, with professionals mapping out my peer group, I feel like they put everything, like, I'm, I'm personally been put on the board and everyone, all my friends are on the board, but this is what I'll put it as. They put it as we're all something that we're not. They put it as we're big drug dealers who, who shoot and stab people. It's not like that. Real life, if you knew us, we're little kids. Like, no lie, we're little kids. Like, no lie. There's big men out here that are doing worse than us. We're little kids. Like, you should not shouldn't be worrying about us. Everyone had a friendship group. They called it something and they got put straight away gang. Yeah, but that was a that was originally a music, meant to be. A music group. A music meant, group. So our group was, well, we're talking off a true story. We're yeah. talking off our group. We're not just talking rubbish. We actually, some of us actually made music, but we was all in the music videos and we named it something. From that name of what was meant to be a music group, the police have now made it out not just into the police, a gang. Our teachers, teachers, police, MPs. There was even an MP the other day. Professionals are mapping out our group and mapping out our friends to be a gang, which that's not what we wanted it to be. We wanted to make sure it wasn't that, and it was a music group. And the thing is, we had to eliminate the name, so we just stopped calling we, us. Yeah, but the they still think. But people will still refer to us as. That group. Yeah, literally, it's still got stopped. We still refer to it to this day. The police When the police stop, stop and search us, they'll, say, they'll say, it. say it. They say, you got right, the, 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 this gang. But real life is not a gang. When people, this is what I'm saying, even with other people from other areas, yeah, we know loads of people from loads of other areas who are also being targeted as gang affiliates. I know loads of people from loads of different places. I can name about 10 different places right now where I where we name, where we know people and then they're also being affiliated apparently with gangs. And the worst thing, sorry, the worst thing I think is um, police or other officials, they think they can tell you who you're allowed to be with. So I just want to thank that group of boys for being so open and sharing their own personal experience. And as we've picked up on so far, for most of the young people we spoke to, the idea of a peer map being used as part of a contextual safeguarding approach wouldn't be something they would like. But we asked them, if you were involved in an incident that threatened your safety outside of home and a peer map was used, do you feel the map should be shared with other professionals and adults such as your parents? Definitely not. I, I think, like, I, I don't really get on with my parents. I think, like, if they found out about that, that would just cause a lot more issues, like, if I was in that situation, because I, I don't really talk to them about a lot of things. But, but then if... Like, I'd be more willing to talk to like social services if they're involved, if my parents didn't find out, because I'd be worried about what's going to happen when yeah, I get worried about the repercussion. Yeah, and if, I think like if that did happen to me and my parents did find out, like, I just wouldn't trust anyone ever again. I'm just taking that time to open up, and then it's like, what's the point? And it just creates more problems. It happens a lot in school as well. If you, yeah. if you, are, if you tell a teacher something, and then they go and tell your mum, and then like your mum starts like picking up and being like, oh, why is this happening? And then like, especially like when they tell you off for it, or like take your phone away or something, you're like, well, why do I bother opening up when I just get punished for it instead of like getting yeah. help? A lot of adults as well, they just don't take into consideration of people's feelings, like especially younger people. And then it causes distrust because you're like, well, you're not gonna listen to me 
So, like, why should I talk to you when, when I try to? You just don't listen. Uh, I think the map of like a young person's group should only be shared if something bad happens, like something like harm or something happens to them. But if they're not doing anything, and I don't see the reason why it should be shared. I feel like a lot of young people are not. I don't feel like they're worried about schools finding out about specific stuff. It's more like they're afraid of them being like that information being used against them in the future. For example, if a young person's indecent images were exposed and then it happened again, the young person might feel like, oh, that, oh, I shouldn't tell the school because the school has already stereotyped me as someone who's like loose and easy. So why would why would I go and tell them that when they all have some sort of connotational thought about me and even if it's at the attempt of helping them it can come back to bite them and even if teachers are as neutral as possible you know they might form their own personal opinion of you in their mind and I feel like as a student it's very obvious to see when a teacher has some sort of opinion or they feel some sort of way about you it's very obvious well I know like a lot of children and stuff have problems with authority because they don't like being told what to do and there's adults who, out there who just they're, they're like they take their position of authority even like parents they're like I'm a parent you do as I say and what and what I say goes and stuff like that so it's saying parents especially people with authority they mean they're gonna take advantage of their authority I don't think parents should know because parents are very invasive as it is and they ask so many questions yeah. and then like they use it against us. Um, other people might find out about it if it wasn't kept confidential and it may, could make everyone else worry and a bit frustrated and angry. Uh, they might worry about other people knowing and they might not be comfortable with them knowing. Again, there was a lot of hesitation surrounding the idea of a peer map being shared. However, some of the young people did understand that a peer map could be a useful tool in some situations. Um, I think it's a good idea to map people's young groups because sometimes they can be up to no good and things like that. And like, let's say something happens, they could probably check where everyone was and things like that at the time. So, so having a peer map is it can be helpful in some situations if you know for hundred percent it is the whole friend group involved. I feel like if the group is endangering other people, like if there's a group that goes around beating people up, then you should definitely like. Try and look into it and see why they're causing other people harm and endangering other people, or possibly themselves. I still think that it's really invasive, but if it endangers other people, it's worth kind of trying to find the motives behind it. Otherwise, people are just going to keep getting caught and you're going to sit there knowing it and just be a bystander. With so much information and insight collected so far in this episode, and with most of it leaning towards the notion that the young people we spoke to didn't feel that comfortable with professionals, or with a tool such as a peer map being used. We ended by asking them if a friend of yours was at risk of harm outside of home, or in fact was directly involved in an incident, such as an indecent image of them being shared in school, who exactly would you go to for help? I feel like personally, if it was my friend or someone that I'm close to and they sent it, first, if they told me that they were going to, I would advise them not to, or to make sure that it's like with a person they trust and that they're safe. And I would go through the different precautions to take to make sure that if it does unfortunately get leaked, they would know who it comes from so that they could eventually be reported. Like for example, marking the picture so that they know who, who they've sent it to. Personally, and this is based entirely on my personal opinion and experiences, I would not tell anyone unless I was aware of any possible danger that this could cause them. 
Because at the end of the day, I feel like it's an individual's own free will to send pictures to each other, whether they be nudity or inappropriate. I think we have to begin by considering how normalized and glorified this idea of sending nudes to other people has become, especially in this day and age with the internet being so easy to access and it being so easy to talk to strangers you've never even met before. And people are under the impression that pictures like nudes, as long as your face is not in them, will never truly come back to harm you. But at the end of the day, I think people are more inclined to send nude pictures when they are suffering from issues behind the scenes, like at home or maybe even at school when they're being bullied and they've gained approval from sending these pictures. And at the end of the day, the way I see it is that if it's not causing anyone direct harm and if someone's not in danger, I wouldn't tell anyone. It's very hard. A lot of teens like, suffer by themselves. They don't know who to go to because they don't trust much people, many people. And it, it's just difficult because a lot of a lot of the time when you tell an adult, they go straight back to like your mom, like even your parents. And like yeah. not many teens want their parents knowing, especially when they get mad because parents don't listen to you. So you can't tell them anyway. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the only people I could think of is like teachers and stuff because I know there's teachers I trust and would tell stuff about but then there is always that risk like will will my mum find out and you just can't take the risk in that most people are scared of their parents finding out and it's not even like a bad thing it's just like what would my mum do if like, she found out? Like, what would my dad do if he found out? Friends are better to talk to because you're closer with them and you feel more comfortable with them. If it's just an adult, you don't really know like who they know or people they know. They can just go off and tell anyone. But friends, you feel a bit more trust. You feel a bit closer with them and you trust them more. So that brings us now to the end of this episode, episode number three of the Scale Up Project podcast. And I truly feel that this episode has really shown just how important friends and peers are to young people. They have a bond and relatability grown from living either in similar circumstances or living through the same stages of life simultaneously that many professionals may struggle to recreate. Young people trust their friends to support and guide them. And if issues of harm occur from outside of home, they're normally the first people that they feel to go to. They also brought up the idea that they don't think that professionals and adults in their lives truly understand the dynamic of their friendships or how best to approach them and their concerns around the use of peer mapping. They were aware of the fact that this could lead to potential harm, as some of their friends don't always have their best interests at heart or could be a bad influence. Concepts around peer pressure or potentially being ostracized from a group for trying to leave a bad friendship group also came up, as well as some personal experiences of people who felt they'd been placed on a peer map and it hadn't ended well. Overall, I feel what stands out from this episode is that all of the young people we spoke to are so passionate about the right to make their own decisions. They want to be treated as individuals and they want their concerns to be listened to without being misjudged or misrepresented. They care about their privacy, the authority to choose who they hang out with, and so much more. The Scale Up Project podcast aims to share these views in the hope that we can really begin to work on these approaches we all take in safeguarding young people so we can start to implement change for the better And that just wouldn't be possible without talking to them directly. So on that note, I just want to thank every single young person again for sharing their thoughts and feelings as we draw to the end of episode number three. Join us next time in our final episode. It's all about contextual safeguarding in the context of local areas and neighbourhoods. Thank you for listening. And if you need more information, head on over to the website, csnetwork.org.uk. 
This is a young generation. Don't judge us. Help us.